There is nothing wrong with your podcatcher. Do not attempt to adjust the feed. We are controlling the bitstream. We control the encoding. We can mispronounce names. We can consume alcoholic beverages. For the next half hour, we will control all that you read and discuss. Go to patreon.com slash sword and laser to pledge support. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Well, not just like you, because everyone's a little <laughs> bit different. But we're, we're all, all beautiful and yeah, unique. Exactly. Yes. But, in our own ways. But lots of people who are in the same vicinity of you. And you're of you. Well, hopefully you have some overlapping interests. Yeah. One would think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Some here and there somewhere, some Venn yeah. diagrams are intersecting. And maybe, maybe you'll expand your interest scope Ooh, by yeah. listening to this show. Right. Cause exactly. you'll discover just the, the same reason that we started doing the show together was to do that very thing. That very thing. And, and it, here we are. And guess what? It worked. It worked. And almost 15 years later, it has <laughs> I finally understand fantasy. Finally. I think the thing is, is there was never a world in which you and I didn't both like both genres. Yeah, totally. It was just like you had more competence in one. Yeah, Yeah, leaned one way. And now I feel like, you know, we still like the things we like. Mm -hmm. And but we have discovered many more things. And that's the whole point of the show. Indeed. Indeed it is. I discovered a new kind of fish. Get out. Like you like uh, I ate. Did you? genetically engineer it did you <laughs> no. create it are you the I discovered know. founding it's gonna father be kind of, of a disappointment now that you put it that okay. way oh all right um should we name the segment it's what are we nomming we need a sound bite for what are we nomming now <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> disturbing uh, so nobody wants to hear that we, i bought a fish that i think probably has a different name but on the package, it was called hair tail. <laughs> that sounds very appetizing. Yeah, it does not. Deeply sarcastic. It does not sound amazingly, uh, uh, amazingly uh, tasty, but it is um, for a fish. Very tasty. So I, I made it myself. I, I took it out of the freezer, defrosted it, breaded it, uh, fried it up, uh, chopped it up, deboned it and ate it with some brown rice. And it was delicious. Nice. What is, what what is it uh, akin to? Would you say? Kind of swordfishy, but smaller. Oh, much smaller. So like a more like a like a yeah. It's, it's a meatier fish. fish. Exactly. Um, Got it. You're not you're not a fan of the swordfish, right? I will eat swordfish occasionally. It's, 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 it's not very your favorite rare though. for me. Yeah. No, I mean, what can I say? Really, is my favorite fish. I I can't. You don't really like fish. I, I know. I like mahi mahi. Okay. Mahi, I like mahi mahi yep. quite a bit when mm-hmm. I'm, and I almost exclusively will eat it in Hawaii, so, <laughs> which is where you're more like, likely to find it, which yeah. is, or yeah. a Hawaiian restaurant. I rarely see mahi mahi anywhere else. Yeah, um, I'm fine with like haddock and cod. I guess not my favorites, but swordfish is a little too intense for me. It sometimes. doesn't look like a swordfish because it's very, it's much smaller. But I mm-hmm. feel like the spine and the meat are kind of like a mini swordfish. Airtail. Large head hair tail. 
scary. This is why I would never survive on alone because I can't, I can't, I just cannot subsist on fish. No. Yeah. You're yeah. your deserted Island. You'd, I'd be in trouble. I'd be in big trouble. You'd just trouble. be eating the coconuts. <laughs> There's no coconuts. It's always in a cold place. Except in in alone Australia is, I think, one of the first like warm places as far as I know. Anyway, different yeah. topic. All right. What did you um, have today for the noms? I thought the special thing would be that I made Jan's uh, fresh blackberry bramble cocktail. Oh, it looked um, really good in the picture. Thank you. Yeah. So I tried it. A couple different ways. I had one last night and then I made another one tonight for the show. Um, because as everyone knows, I've been harvesting blackberries like <laughs> out the wazoo for months. Um, what's really only been the last month they've been in season. Um, and so this was, it's like two ounces of gin, uh, an ounce of simple syrup, an ounce of lemon juice, and like six to eight blackberries, I think was the recipe. Okay. And the first time I made it, I was like, oh, this is really sweet. Mm-hmm. It's like simple syrup. Simple syrup is pretty dang sweet. It was yeah. a little too intense. So I, I cut it with like a lot of sparkling water. Thought you were going to say gin, but okay. With a lot of extra gin, <laughs> some sparkling water. And uh, that, that made it not only last a lot longer, but also just be a little bit easier to drink. But it was quite good. I, I very much enjoyed it. You could probably just Fresh cut in. down the simple syrup. To, I guess it would be the other. It was just very dense there. Yeah. with just like the mm-hmm. lemon juice, vodka, like uh, gin and I think I like that I feel though. almost like I miss a step. Mm. And I'm, did he make this himself or is this a recipe he found? Or is I this know. one of his chat GPT recipes? Yeah. Curious. It's good. Good to know. Good to find out. Jan, but it was fun. I liked, I liked tasting it very much. Excellent. Um, so there you go. Have yourself some breaded hair tail and brown rice and down it with a fresh blackberry bramble. A pair. It's an excellent pairing. Mm-hmm. So we've heard. Uh, you know what else is a good pairing? Quick and Burns. Uh, Katsuna Hart pointed out that the Hugo Voters Packet came out since the last time we spoke. Uh, it was probably last week sometime uh, as we're recording this. But if you are one of the people who is a member of World Fantasy and you want to vote on the Hugos, you get the Voter Pack, which gives you all the books, which is pretty amazing. Uh, and then you can read all the books and vote on them with an informed opinion. Is it too late to um, to register as a voter? I think so. Yeah, I think Dang. you could register and become a member and go to the conference still, but I don't know if you get the get the packet. Because that would be like that's actually pretty cost effective. I know, way right? Of getting all the books, yeah, because it's like fifty dollars to be a voting member, right? Yeah, and you get was in previous dozen years. books to to read. That's great. Yeah. Anyway, voter packet, a fine tradition. It's out. Uh, Jan says from The Guardian, the winner of the Arthur C. Clarke Award for Science Fiction is Venomous Lump Sucker by Ned Bowman. Hmm. Bowman's novel is, according to judging chair Andrew M. Butler, a, quote, biting satire, twisted, dark, and radical, but remarkably accessible, endlessly inventive, and hilarious. Hmm. And Venomous Lump Sucker, another name for breaded hair tail. No, that's not true. Oh, you know, that's what I knew it by. A breaded venomous lump sucker. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, this is great. Thank you, Jan, as always, for keeping us up to date on the award winners. Honestly, I still think venomous lump sucker sounds more appetizing than breaded breaded hair hair tail. tail. There's no hair or tail. I don't know where that name came from. There has to be a tail. I mean, I, I guess there was. There wasn't in the section I ate. Wait, is it called? Breaded 
as a fish. No, like, no, no. I w- I bred it. it. <laughs> the, the fish is just called hair tail. <laughs> Like, wait, is that the family? Like, it just swims around pre breaded. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) So tasty. It looks like a loaf of bread, the breaded lump tail. That's so funny. Now I'm calling it the breaded lump tail. I'm getting my, I'm mixing my fishes, my fish. The venomous breaded lump tail sucker. Uh, Jan pointed out that Locust Mag has announced the, or, or covered the announcement of the 2023 Aurora Awards. Winners for works done by Canadians have been announced. And the best novel goes to The Embroidered Book by Kate Hartfield. The Embroidered Book is set in 18th century Europe and centers on Marie Antoinette and her sister Maria Carolina, who as children discover an embroidered book of spells with dark and unpredictable consequences that send Europe into revolution. Mm, I like it. It's kind of like a uh, alt, alt fantasy. Yeah, little alt fantasy. Marie Antoinette. Oh, this is what happened. It was the dark book of spells. No this one is ever what really happened. Knew. Yeah, and written by your fellow country. I can't really call myself person. Canadian yet. Hey, today is my year anniversary of living in Canada. Really, it's been a year. Yeah, yeah, it's been a whole year. Okay, that's pretty cool. Congratulations yeah, I, on that. Congratulations on holding too. out. I'm sticking around. They haven't kicked me out yet. So that's, that's good. good. Yeah. Uh, John says uh, the writer strike, unfortunately, claims a victim. Oh, no. The second season of The Peripheral starring Chloe Grace Moritz was picked up for a second series by Amazon, but looks to be canceled. Uh, I feel sad about that. John says, as I enjoyed the first series, series is what people over the pond call seasons. Mm. And it's, quote, grim, dark cyberpunk take on the future and was looking forward to seeing more of it. That having been said, I fully support the people striking. In the words of my cousins across the channel, Liberté, Egalité, Egalité, Fraterné. <laughs> Liberté. Yeah. Egalité, Fraterné, Fraternité. There you go. Yeah. Nailed it. Um so yeah, so I live in British Columbia, not Quebec. <laughs> I don't know any French. Fair. <laughs> It was, by all accounts, and I've been meaning to get around to watching it, and I have not, uh, but by all accounts, an amazing series. And uh, sadly, Amazon has said because of the delay of production caused by the strike, they are canceling that and um, A League of Their Own. They had a TV series based on the movie A League of Their Own. They're canceling season two of that. Um, I mean... You could probably blame Amazon and say, oh, you're using the strike as a reason to save money. Uh, I imagine it's also true, right? Like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whether there should be a strike or not, whether the studios should settle, whether the writers or the actors should settle. If you just forget that and just look at the facts that there have been no productions for this long, certain things at some point you just have to write off. So. Sadly, it yeah. was the peripheral, and that, that sucks because, uh, by all accounts, everybody I've talked to loved this show. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. I guess there's still the first season. Yeah, to still watch, watch the first season, but yeah. yeah. And, and in fact, it would not. It's not in Amazon's best interest to go back on it and cancel it, simply because a lot of people who might have watched season one won't now. Because they're like, That's oh, we're not going to get ran it. Through yeah, my mind. Totally. Yeah, I, I, I hate getting invested in stuff mm-hmm. when I know it's not going to keep going. Um, Chris, 
Oh, yeah, it's your turn. Christos says Brandon Sanderson is letting other authors write novels taking place in the Cosmere universe. And the first writer to take up the task is Dan Wells. Sweet. Which makes me very excited, Christos saying this, uh, because I loved his novel, I Am Not a Serial Killer, and the sequels. Recently, they did a podcast together discussing the Dan Wells novel, and he said this will introduce a new planet and a new horse-like race. Whoa, cool. Whoa. (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That was funny. Nay, it was not. No, that was funny. That was funny. That was funny. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, You should be reading this one, uh, but from uh, Gail Carriger, 10 great K-pop singers and why they're inspiring. Oh, I forgot to put who who sent this along, and now I don't remember, and I'm so sorry. Oh, do you know where you found it from? I think it it was on Goodreads. Okay. But yes, uh, Gail Carriger apparently also... A huge K-pop fan. I had no idea. So thank you for posting this. Uh, August 15th, uh, Gail uh, made a post called 10 Great K-Pop Singers and Why They're Inspiring about her Tinkered Star song. It was Mark. It was Mark. Oh, thank you, Mark. Good. Thank you for finding that. Um, Tinkered Star song character influences. So Demigod 12 is coming out in October. That is the second book in the Tinkered Star song series. And so the blog post is about the musicians that inspired the singers in the book. Uh, and not only do I know everyone she's talking about, like B2B and uh, let's see who else is mentioned here. <laughs> business to business. Got seven. Um, uh, Stray kids, uh, Jin Young. But I was impressed that Gail Carriger must have been a K-pop fan for quite a long time. Because these are all second gen, second gen, third gen, except for Stray Kids. Stray Kids is, is technically fourth, but these are old school. What? These are old. There's like like her favorites dip back. If you look at her top ten, so she goes through talking about the different artists and and how they relate to the characters in the book. But at the very end, she's like, "Oh, my favorite uh, K-pop artists." Then she mentions Wusung from The Rose, which you would like The Rose, Veronica. They're like a very indie rock. Taemin from Shiny, that's that's second gen. Leo from Vix. Kong Daniel's been around for a long time. Henry, uh, who was once at Super Junior, was his old school. Key from Shiny. Eric Nam. Young K from Day Six. Boa and IU. IU's like the little sister of Korea, and she's great and amazing. So anyway, yeah, I was I was pretty stoked to see that gail Carriger followed this stuff uh as well and uh i learned a bunch of things from this post uh that i didn't know so that was very cool oh that's cool i feel like i feel like k-pop is like your secondary fandom like i feel like everybody has a primary and secondary Mm, mm -hmm, fandom mm -hmm. yeah and i think i think k-pop and just like that kind of stuff is like your your what what is your first is maybe like technology (laughs) <laughs> or like, what is the thing? I don't really like what technology. Is, <laughs> what is, you don't like technology? Like, what is the, or like, what, is, I guess it's not secondary. I think it's your Secondary, but hobby. not, not number two. If is that, it your biggest hobby? Po- right now it might be, yeah. Yeah. Because I know you're, you're taking Korean, you're going to Korea, like, next week. Yep. 
like you are like you're deep you're yeah. deep and i feel like my se- my my biggest hobby is plants is plants yeah yeah no it's it's the current current hobby obsession hob session yeah for you and it's, i think it's really sweet that you and eileen are both really into it so well and that's thing together and that's why i'm into it is that she got into it and then i was like oh, okay that can be your thing and then i started looking at it i was like okay that's pretty fun that's interesting that's cool mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and the next thing i know i was enjoying all kinds of things too and then we started going to concerts together and that was fun because we hadn't done that in a Aww, long time yeah 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 that's all good very sweet um Hey, are you watching Good Omens too? I just finished the second to last episode, like right before. Okay, that, not, when when I not, said I'm five more minutes, I was finishing that episode. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. How do you feel about this season? I'm not done yet. I'm not as quite as far as you. I'm almost there. It's not as good as the first. And yeah. by all accounts, every time we talk about it on Cord Killers, someone in the chat room uh, who I, I won't I won't call them out, but someone's always quick to point out. This is a link season. The notes that Neil Gaiman made with Terry Pratchett for a possible book sequel are for another television season. So this this is not those notes. And so when you think of it that way, it makes a little more sense of like, okay, that's why this is such a small story and it's very self-contained. Um, and it's not not as much of a of a grand scope as the last one. But yeah. I, I still enjoy it. I still like it. It was the. I still enjoy it mostly just for them. Fourth like, episode was a flashback episode, which you probably haven't watched yet. No, I did see that one. Uh, yeah, yeah, I was like, mm. that was the I one like where I was one. like, okay, I think this is my least favorite of the year. Actually, the one after the one immediately after that one is the one I slept through most of. That's well. There's only six. It was the one before the party. The party the is the fifth the episode. Okay, so I'm on the penultimate. I just finished. I'm. I have one more episode to go. Then. Oh, so, so you're. The we're, you just finished. Yeah, that was. I just finished the party episode. Okay, I just finished the party episode. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we're at the same. Yeah. Scene. Look at that part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the one before this one was that the was that the it f- wasn't the flashback episode. It was the one before. It was after World that. World War Two yeah. with the zombies. Was it? The, it was the World War Two one. Yeah. yeah. I, I fell asleep in that one. I yeah, think. I felt like that one was real slow too. Yeah. Yeah. Too bad. Um, it felt like something that anyway. should have been like a 10 minute flashback and they turned it into an entire episode. So Yeah. It just yeah. really felt drawn out, but yeah. I still love it. But I like the party the, episode. Like, Doctor Who nods. <laughs> oh yeah. The, party the episode Fez. Were really cute. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Fez. And then when he, when he puts the Fez down, it makes a little like, like Doctor Who uh-huh. sound in the yeah. background. Did yeah. you catch that? Yeah, I did. I tried to, re- I tried to rewind and make Ryan watch it again. He was like, I don't care. <laughs> Like, I don't know what that is. I don't recognize. I don't care. Like, but I just want you to hear it. But I, I want you to care. Cool. Yeah. Fezzes are Fezzes cool. Fezzes are cool. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yep. Um, so that's our little I'm digression. glad you brought that up. I was going to, I was going to mention Good Omens because I am enjoying it. Yeah. I'm, I'm overall enjoying it. I just, but it's definitely not as good as season one. I was after that, after that fourth episode, that, that flashback episode, I was like, Ooh, mm. Mm, but, but mm. the party brought me back. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Terp Griston wrote, Avgo Lemono soup is not typically heavy, and with the lemon can be very very bright. Uh, Terp Griston loves it any time of year and said, huh, maybe I should order it for lunch. 
Nice. Nice. All right. And Ruth says, to answer V's question, I'd say that the urtext of Dark Academia is The Secret History by Donna Tartt. For those unfamiliar with this book, it's a thriller published in 1992 and set at an exclusive New England liberal arts college. Oh, okay. Uh, the plot and themes are a bit like- Semi-biographical for Veronica. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think we have the right kind of college for that. Emerson was not extremely um, dark academia. Mm. It was very like- New media, film studies, masculinities class. Too bright. Like, learn mm-hmm. how to use Dreamweaver. <laughs> you know, it was a little too nice. like, like that. It was right. less of like, you know, reading reading literature in, in libraries. Um, the Harry Potter books and movies really helped to popularize the dark academia vibe and general aesthetic, though the actual stories are a bit more chosen one. Prophecy, power of friendship. Than the whole privilege, hungry, morally compromised, covering up murder thriller thing the secret history has going on. Another psychological thriller with a dark academia vibe is Gentlemen and Players by Joanne Harris. Uh, this one's set at a British grammar school. It's hard to pin down exactly what makes a book dark academia other than general vibes, but I'd say that The Magicians by Love Grossman definitely qualifies. Mm. It has that whole secretive world arcane college thing going on with some people given the keys to the kingdom and others left outside in the mundane world. Some more recent books that I think qualify as dark academia include A Deadly Education by Naomi Novik, The Betrayals by Bridget Collins, Babel and Arcane History by R.F. Kuang, as previously mentioned, and probably a bunch of others that I can't think of right now. One I have sitting on my TBR shelf is Ink Blood Sister Scribe by Emma Soares, though I obviously haven't read it yet, so I can't vouch for it. Uh, perhaps others have some suggestions, too. I love dark academia, so I'm always happy to hear about more books. And Thanks, there were. Uh, if the, if you go to that Goodreads thread, which is for last podcast, uh, lots of people chimed in with, with some, some good recommendations there. And thank you, Ruth. They also talked about the two ways you say Ruth in the different areas of England. oh good yes yes that yeah. was funny mm-hmm. that was funny uh paul said thank you tom for reading my very bad joke which i stole from a very bad canadian comedy show from the 1990s and thank you veronica for not calling bs on the lid football right away <laughs> <laughs> i love lead or lead <laughs> i don't know what he said lead football what is, is that i love telling <laughs> absurd lies to, to americans oh. To see what I can get away with. I can't help it. I once convinced someone in Kansas that global warming was causing a housing crisis because our igloos were melting. (laughs) Also, thank you to everyone, especially the Ruths, for this thread. I laughed to tears listening to the podcast and now laughed to tears again. Also, I thought only one of the Ruths was British and that I got you too confused. So thank you for the clarification. Yes, both Ruths are British. And Ruth uh, Tiltab says, uh, Ruth Ashworth says, haha, not only are we both Brits, but we live near enough now for the odd meetup now and then, which is always a treat. Oh, it's so nice. Real world friends. <sighs> Veronica, you still haven't watched the BC Lions and they're still now a game behind Winnipeg. So <sighs> just saying. that's your BC Lions update on Sword and Laser. Thank you. They are still a fictional team in my mind, so it's like fantasy. They fantasy are, in your mind, they're actual lions. They're yeah, <laughs> they're the uh, the what did we what did we call them last week? Not tartan lions. Um, Tweed. Tweed and lions. Thank you, thank you. I bought a brand new carnivorous plant today, 
And when I tell you that it is causing all of the fungal gnats in my house to uh, collect in one corner near my desk, uh, it is disgusting. In fear of the plant? No, they're they're attracted to the pictures. Oh. It's a pit, it's a nepenthes, it's and a it's just plant. eating them. Uh, well, I assume they're falling into the picture. I hope that's mm-hmm. the point. That's the plan. Yeah. And also, I've got my really bright light on in the studio, and the whole window is covered in mosquitoes. So I'm like, wow, on the outside, on the outside. On the outside I was hoping like, it was on in. the outside. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't huh. like that one yeah. bit. Anyway. Side note. Um, so we have we're going to do a kind of condensed book section tonight. Uh, we're going to do the announce the announcement of uh, the next book and just a brief check in on the current book. So let's go into that. Jill. Yeah, and we Tom, and tell look, us about your pick. let's go ahead and tell them uh, too. The, the one of the reasons is because I'm traveling. Eileen uh, uh, and I are celebrating our 20th anniversary by taking two weeks and going Aww. to Korea. Um, so I will be gone starting the August 30th. So we're doing what would normally be the September 6th episode on Monday. So you're going to get another episode next week. Uh, and then you won't get an episode for a few weeks because I'll be gone and then we'll come back. So Monday's episode, we're going to focus on the books. Uh, and this episode was focused more on the quick burns and the comments and stuff. Uh, but yeah, uh, as Veronica said, uh, the September pick is China Mountain Zhang by Maureen F. McHugh. This is a book from 1992. Uh, we had a great discussion. It was actually the very first book suggested in the Discord thread. That's not why I picked it. I, I just... Noticed that it was from 92 and it was a woman author. And I thought, oh, okay, that's one I've heard of. Uh, It'd be nice to get something from the 90s. We haven't read anything from the 90s in a while. Um, And so I put it on my list. And the more we started talking about it, it felt like a really interesting book because it's set in a near future where China is predominant in world politics and uh, there is a climate crisis. Uh, The main character is Mm, gay. Weird. Uh, which in 92 has a different characterization than it would now, but it's, it's, it's really interesting. It was nominated for a Hugo as a debut novel. It won the James J Tiptree award as a debut novel. Um, the only problem and the only thing that almost kept me from picking it is it is really hard to find in libraries. I don't know why, Hmm. but a lot of people went to look it up and were like, I don't have it in my entire system, right? It's one thing to be like, oh, my library doesn't have it. I'm going to have to wait for it on hold or, or, oh, there's, there's a few copies, but you know, I'm going to have to wait four days for it to come. Like some people were saying their entire interlibrary loan system didn't have it. Um, so wow. I thought about just cashing in like, well, that sucks. Uh, I won't do it. But then I realized like, this is apparently a piece of science fiction history. I don't want Maureen F. McHugh's legacy to get erased. Uh, and mm-hmm. I don't know any reason why it should. Like I didn't find any alarm bells out there. So I thought, you know what? I, I want to pick it to make sure that the demand for it, you know, gets a little pickup uh, out there with, with the understanding that I know some folks are, are not going to be able to get it from their libraries. Hopefully you'll be able to find it it's available in like pocket size paperback for like two bucks on Amazon. So it's not expensive. You'd probably be able to go to a, a local used bookshop and, and maybe dig it up there or something like that. Um, 
My, that that is one mystery I want to investigate over the next month. Is like, why is it so unavailable yeah. in libraries? It's not on Audible either. Yeah, it's there's no Kindle. audiobook for it. Uh, or if there was an audiobook, it never made it to Audible anyway. Um, right, right. So yeah, so I'm I'm reading it. It is available on Kindle. It is available as a trade paperback uh, in print, mm-hmm. and uh, you can find used mass market copies for cheap. Uh, like places like half price books and stuff like that. So you might have to do a little more hunting. And so if you don't want to do it this time, totally understand. Uh, I even suggested there might be an alt pick for people. If, if they have too much of a trouble finding it, the, the people who can't get it could do an alt pick, but, um, a good idea, yeah. but, but yeah, I, I, I wanted to, to make sure that we didn't let this, like if we didn't pick it, then that, then it falls even further out of demand. Right. Um, totally. So yeah. Let's give um, it a nice little sword and laser bump. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's uh China mountain Zhang, uh, by Maureen F. McHugh. And we'll, we'll talk a little more about it on the next episode. Sounds good. All right. We're going to do a very brief, um, check in on ninth house by Lee Bardugo, non-spoilery. Are you finished yet? Did you finish it? I did. Yes. Yeah. I'm um, ready yeah, for the wrap I'm, up, about, but, but I know we're not doing it now. percent of the way through Hellbent now. So oh, you're already on to the next one. Yeah. So yeah, you're going to start, yeah, you're going to have that problem of like, wait, did that happen in the second book? <laughs> totally. Um, but I really liked something that John Taloni said in the previous, dis- one of the previous discussion threads that we were talking about. Um, and I had kind of had this thought too, and, and to give it a little context, uh, we discussed Lee Bardugo's experience as a uh, Yale alumnus um, and that she was a part of Wolf's Head. Um, So she was part of a society uh, of which she writes. And I was, I remember learning that and being like, oh, that's so interesting because it feels as though she's so critical of the societies in many ways. And I thought John had a nice um, kind of thought about that, that I wanted to share. So this post is a little bit long, but I'm going to read it anyway. Um, He says, by writing the book, Bardugo criticizes the very system that gave her a lift. It's a betrayal of the, quote, deal. If you agree that there is a deal, perhaps she didn't. Certainly the system she describes is crying out for reform, for exposure. Except, is that the reason for the book? Because, as I thought about it, no, it isn't. Writers will sometimes flat out tell you their inspiration. I was amused at the end of the Twilight books when Meyer describes the vampire nightlife. They don't sleep, so what do they do? Apparently, they have rampant sex all night long. It's an obvious statement of how Meyer's subconscious speaks to her in dreams. And then she writes during the day, why the werewolf could never actually compete. He represents the outer world, and she's dedicated to the inner life. As for Bardugo, she's equally clear. Other adepts struggle to see the grays, even with dangerous potions. She sees them in color all the time. Even more so, she can hear them speak. Ever read Gaiman's City of a Dream and Sandman? Because when I did, I thought, oh boy, that's Boston. A city steeped in its own history, where the ghosts practically shout their story. I tend to think there is something to the concept of rivers in London that stone and wood retain psychic impressions. Not to the extent the fiction takes it, but somewhat. And when I moved to L.A., one of my first thoughts was, this place has no ghosts. So Bardugo comes from the West Coast to the historic city of New Haven, where the city promptly starts talking to her. As a creative, she felt it more, probably much more than others. They asked that she tell her story. And uh, they asked that she tell their story. And she did so. Hmm. 
I yeah, thought it was nice. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a nice summary uh, and a nice theory uh, as well. I, I liked in the audiobook they ha- they have an interview with Lee Bardugo uh, oh, at the end, good. and she mentions like that she was a member of of Wolf's Head, and even says like I'm probably not supposed to be saying that, but oh well. So Wait, even saying that she was a member. Yeah, because it's a secret oh. society, or you're you're right. not supposed to admit that you're uh, a member because it's supposed to be secret. Um, I get the sense, and this this is not me disagreeing with John because I think this is poetically true. What 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 John is saying, although I would I would say L.A. definitely has its ghosts, and David Lynch mm. represents them. <laughs> however, all right, um, all right, however, right. uh, my impression of ninth house was that Lee Bardugo wanted to expose like, yeah, you, you, you know, that thing where when you work at a place or you go to a school, you criticize it all the time, right? Where people are like, ah, this place, you know? And then when you leave the thing is when you start to get sentimental, oh, that was such a great time in school. Right. Even if you were like complain about school the entire time you're in school. Um, I feel like Bardugo wanted to, air those criticisms she felt when she was there in a way mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. but maybe was a little nostalgic and and so dressed it up in a ghost story uh to to make it a little more palatable for her own subconscious or or maybe just thought it would be more acceptable and 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 less controversial with the secret societies themselves if she told it this way which is there's a fine tradition of that kind of allegory it feels too damning to me for it not to be on purpose Mm. you know it just it it, it's to me it reads very critical um and so i'm not sure how she would escape that kind of backlash if if there was one they would never say that there was one of course because they're secret societies but the the tradition any repercussions the tradition of allegory is that the defense of the person is like it's just a story no one's going to take it serious but it's but it can seep into people's subconscious and and they realize i felt like i learned more about how at least Princeton's societies or yep, sorry, Princeton <laughs> Yale's yeah. societies works. That was, that was, a, that was a, a Freudian slip because Princeton is the only college that uh, did not accept me. Um, <laughs> Yale's society. I felt like I learned more about how Yale's societies worked. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've learned more about New Haven than I ever. Did oh, definitely. Yeah. And all this stuff about the townies and, and the difference between the town and the, and the, the city and stuff. I, I, I went to the University of Illinois in Champaign. I'm not trying to compare the two, but there's certainly a universality of the tension of a college town and its college, for sure. I um, I felt like I straddled that line in an inst- interesting way living in Boston because I went to school in Boston. I was a college student, um, but for the entire time I lived in Boston, I worked at the package store, the liquor store. And so I was very close to all of our like local townie residents and customers. And so like I had that rapport and mm-hmm. yet I was like other in that way too. So it was like, you know, it was an yeah. interesting line straddling. That and is interesting. Plus I was not like, not, I was like a punk rock kid. And so there was that level of acceptance of like, Oh, you're not like a, a rich kid like yeah. going to Harvard or whatever. I was like a middle-class kid still yeah. probably doing better than a lot of the kids that, you know, were growing up locally in Southie or what have you. Um, but still, you know, it was, it, it felt there was a little more of a kinship than I think, um, 
Maybe I, I'm making that up in my I, mind and they didn't I mean, see who it that knows, way at all, but, but it, yeah. it felt real. I, I have a similar experience where I started University of Illinois as a total student in the dorms, on campus, barely knowing anything about the rest of the towns. Uh, and then, But I finished not even in school. Last year that I lived in Champaign-Urbana, I was just working a job uh, and, and living well, in an apartment, yeah, you know. Yeah. And, and, and plus, I was from New England, and so I think that was an added. Yeah, you weren't well. like, like a Chicagoan like or California. Yeah, like yeah. A, no. yeah, I could pass, <laughs> <laughs> except I did not have an accent. Very clearly, did yeah. not have a Boston accent. But you weren't from sure. very far away. <laughs> no, I was from like an hour away. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, anyway. All right. Um, I think that that kind of wraps up all my thoughts that I wanted to have on it so far. Like so clearly far. I enjoyed the book. I have more to jumped come. into the next one, uh, but we will do a full wrap up on next week's episode. Sounds good. Thanks everybody. All right. Thank you so much to our patrons who help fund the show. Uh, if you want to help support us, you can head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. You can also support the show by buying books. Uh, we have links to our book picks at swordandlaser.com slash picks. You can send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. We are on Instagram and threads at swordandlaser. And you can join in on all the discussions. Tom's laughing at me because I didn't say Twitter at goodreads.com slash swordandlaser or on our Discord. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.